Episode 90, Bonus Edition, Interview with Matthew Pietrafetta. Educators, is your passion tank running on empty? Look no further. Gretchen of Always a Lesson has a double dose of just what you need. Come fill yourself up with an empowering educators podcast to start your day feeling empowered. This is Gretchen from Always a Lesson here to empower you to reach your potential and I refer to you as elite because only an elite educator would take time to invest in themselves by listening to a podcast just like this one to help hone their craft. Well, today is a special day because we have a guest appearance. I want to help you reignite your passion and potential by learning from another elite educator, Matthew Pietrafetta who has one empowering message. So let me start by sharing a little bit more about him with you. Matthew is the founder of Academic Approach. So this is an organization that helps schools in underserved communities prepare their students for the SAT and the ACT. And these tests, as we know, are really needed to gain admission to college. What's cool about Matthew, though, is he's a former New York City teacher. And here's what he has to say. Aligning high-impact test preparation with curriculum and instruction is not easy work, but it's valuable and necessary. Often, this work is approached as either-or. Either I focus on test prep or I focus on my curriculum. Well, if you can approach the challenge as a both-and, instead, you can find some efficient, creative solutions. I can both teach my curriculum and integrate in skills-based test preparation that teaches my students the high-impact skills they need for success both in my class and on the test. And lastly, he says with the right assessment, reporting, and professional development system in place, we can achieve that all-important both-and in teaching and learning. Let's tune in to hear my conversation with Matthew. Hey, Matthew, thank you so much for being a guest here on the Empowering Educators podcast. Thank you, Gretchen, so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, good. And elite educators around the world are just really eager to hear from you and get empowered by your message. So I'm going to dive in and ask you, fill us in on what you have been up to um, in terms of your teaching career and then now your current project. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. I've been teaching for 20 years, uh, and for 15 of those 20 years, I've been um, the founder and CEO of a company called Academic Approach. Um, We're an organization of teachers um, that deliver skills-based test preparation uh, around college readiness exams to high school students applying to college. Uh, And there's sort of two divisions to Academic Approach. One is our our one-on-one work, where we work... um, one-on-one with students and deliver personalized, differentiated instruction to each student. And then there's our school programs work, where we work with school leaders, uh, principals, superintendents, district leaders, and uh, faculty and students directly to raise college readiness skills and help students gain access. That is really cool. I definitely want to dive more into what made you want to begin that whole initiative. But let's dial back. Let's go back to your classroom experience. Where were you? What did you teach? What brought you into the field of education? Well, so I, I went to Columbia University in New York City where I earned my uh, Ph.D. in English. And so I wanted to set out originally to be a college professor, and I love literature and humanities. 
And uh, while I was in New York, I was, uh, as a graduate student, earning my PhD. Part of the requirements were to teach in the core curriculum. And the core at Columbia is a rigorous set of logic and rhetoric and writing courses and reasoning courses that the freshmen sophomores have to take. So for three years, I was teaching in that core curriculum. So I was teaching classroom instruction to college freshmen. And one insight I had immediately was that a lot of the foundational kind of core skills that we were teaching college freshmen were absolutely important college readiness skills that high school students should know. And at the same time, I started um, teaching high school students uh, specifically around academic skills and college readiness and college entrance exam preparation. And while I was working with you know, 19 and 20 year olds in college, I was also working with 15, 16 and 17 year olds in high school. And so my first, I mean, it was really interesting. And so my first insight was, wow, okay, if you sort of begin with your end in mind and kind of um, reverse engineer everything, you think about what does a college freshman need to be successful at a really rigorous school like Columbia College in New York City, uh, then you can think about what high school scope and sequence, you know, what skills and content a high school educator uh, needs to bear in mind in order to kind of bridge this transition from high school to college. So that was my that was sort of the inception of my of my thinking about curriculum, about teaching, and about college readiness. And so um, when I founded Academic Approach, I had sort of two critical missions. One was to create a skills-based curriculum that was really rigorous and deep, and that did not just teach to the test and do drill and kill, but what we call at Academic Approach taught beyond the test. We call it teaching beyond the test. It's one of our trademark phrases. So it's a supplemental academic curriculum that yes, helps you raise your scores, but also gives you the skills to, per, to succeed in college and persist and transfer those skills to all sorts of academic applications. So that's what academic approach means, is, is teaching beyond the test and having a sense of the whole student's development in mind through college, persisting through college and being successful. The other guiding uh, force for me was while living in New York City, I saw a whole world of students who were affluent and had access to all sorts of supplemental educational services through their families, and then a whole host of students that didn't, that were in underserved communities and couldn't access it. So when I founded Academic Approach 15 years ago, there were kind of two goals. One was to develop the curriculum, the skills-based curriculum, the academic approach to really uh, high-quality instruction that both raised scores and raised skills but also to open access. And so through, through school programs, we're able to reach thousands of students in underserved communities through partnering with their schools and school leaders. Um, students who otherwise would not have access to supplemental services around you know, skills-based test preparation. That's great, that's definitely filling a need. You know, in terms of what made you even want to go into this work, did you find yourself unprepared? You know, what really motivated you to want to be the answer or the solution for these kids? Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. One, one simple motivation is uh, just I really like adolescence. Um, when, you know, I've worked with students at different age levels, I've worked with graduate students, I've worked with grade school students, but there's something about a 15, 16, 17-year-old sophomore, junior, senior in high school, where they're really available to learn. And they have a foundation of skills underneath them, a lot of which need, you know, review and plugging of gaps and, you know, um, maybe, you know, uh, some, some sometimes significant remediation because they're behind. But on a um, so, uh, social-emotional level, they're really open to mentoring and coaching. And sometimes, you know, at that point, 
you can um, help them break certain stereotypes of themselves. Like they might have bucketed themselves and, and thought, I'm a math person, but not a verbal person, or vice versa. Or I can't do this, or I've never been that good at this, or I'm a bad test taker, I'm a bad student, uh, you know, I'm not good in this way. And so to get at mindset issues, 15, 16, 17 year olds are, are looking for mentors. Uh, maybe they're a little bit tired of hearing from mom and dad or, um, or you know, the, uh, maybe the principal of the school isn't too much of an authority figure to be the, the mentor, but a, a teacher can come in at that time and have a tremendous impact on mindset and certainly academic performance, but also self-conception, um, self-esteem. And so I really loved that space. 17-year-olds, um, I always say, are my best audience. They actually enjoy me more than most adults. So that <laughs> that's one thing. And the other was that the space didn't have, like I said, a rigorous academic approach that would allow uh, test preparation, which was often viewed as drill and kill and a distraction from real academic work, uh, to be thoughtful and to get integrated into the classroom and to serve teachers and to serve students and to provide access to all different types of learners to get differentiated from students who are achieving low all the way up to the very highest achieving students. And uh, so that was a, uh, an instructional mission and a curricular mission that was very exciting to me and keeps me uh, renewed and re-energized every year. That's great. When you're working with the adolescents, whether it's in your classroom experience or through academic approach, what do you think you'd say is the best lesson that they taught you? Oh, that's a wonderful question. Um, I think they t they've taught me so much about resilience. And with the proper encouragement um, <clears throat> and, and mentoring, um, that you know, students can fail forward, that they can, that they, they can and sometimes must necessarily. So, so that lesson in resilience of failing forward, I think, is tremendously important. And so it's led me to a lot of uh, self-reflection and research on non-cognitive factors. Um, particularly, you know, some of the buzzwords in education right now, grit and resilience, growth mindset. Um, but looking into the research around that and actually working with some other educators who are trying to actually teach non-cognitive factors like resilience, um, trying to assess for it, trying to integrate it into their programming. Um, so a lot of what I've learned from those gritty, resilient, you know, 16, 17-year-olds who, who have to uh, kind of be challenged and sometimes face failure in certain ways in order to grow and learn is that that's part of the learning process and coaching through that having that in mind and kind of building that into your curriculum um, as as part of your curriculum when you're looking at your class or your students and understanding that part of what you're doing is coaching around mindset that's part of your instruction um, and the way that you that students learn to receive feedback, the way that they experience failure can be positive and productive, or it can be paralyzing. Um, that's a huge lesson I've learned from watching, you know, adolescents who have fragile egos going through this process that can be really overwhelming for them, uh, but seeing how uh, they can succeed through it with the proper mindset and with the right support and coaching. And I like what you're saying because it's we teach people first, right? So it's about, again, going towards that mindset before even hitting the academics because if they're not ready and willing to receive what you have to teach them, then really it, it's not worth anyone's time. So I love that you're really educating the whole child. And, and like you mentioned, that time in their life, they're, they're fragile. And the fact that you acknowledge that and you're working around it and making it part of what you're doing 
is really inspiring, and I'm glad we're having this conversation. I hope more teachers take that approach. Um, and speaking about teachers, when you're employing some of these educators to now work with adolescents uh, with academic approach, what would you say are the qualities that make those teachers great? That's such a great question. Um, so, you know, to pick up on your point, um, the, you know, this sort of student-centered, uh, we teach students first, we're not just teaching a curriculum, um, this kind of student-centered view I think is key, and to look for instructors who, frankly, know how to, you know, first and foremost have interpersonal relationships, positive interpersonal relationships with adolescents. You know, instructors who aren't authoritarians, um, who aren't just taskmasters, but are coaches, are relational building coaches, because that, that, that social emotional piece to get students ready and feeling safe and secure is like a condition of readiness for learning. And without that, um, you know, you're, you're not going to be able, you could have the best curriculum in the world available to you. You could have the best, you know, unit plan that you're so excited about teaching, but if your students are not ready, if their mindset isn't there, if they're not available to learn because you haven't established that rapport, that relationship with them, if you haven't created a safe space for learning and failing and experimenting, uh, then that curriculum is not going to be um, applied uh, as well as it could be. So I really look at per people, their, their, their personality their character, their their attitude about children. Um, another thing I look for, really important to me, is locus of control. Um, who is accountable? Um, I always, I feel that if a student is not succeeding, that I'm working with personally or in a classroom of ours or, or in a school that we're supporting the faculty, that's my fault. It's not anyone else's fault. It's not um, the student's fault. It's not the uh, institution's fault. It's not the neighborhood's fault. It's not some sort of larger dynamic in society like uh, poverty or uh, any number of disparities that are real. They shouldn't be ignored, but they can't be blamed. That's my student, and I'm accountable for teaching that student, and that's my responsibility. Great instructor that you look for as well, those are just accepted. You, you must screen for those uh, because you must have those skills to be effective. But the real X factors are the ones I'm describing, you know, the, the ability to interpersonally relate with students the sense of accountability around student learning. Um, those are things that not, not all teachers share. Uh, the best teachers possess those things, uh, those, those characteristics of successful teachers. And they're um, tremendously important to identify if you're trying to build a team of really effective, committed educators. And I'm glad that you have the chance to work with a diverse group of educators um, because this podcast is, is geared towards teachers of all levels. We've got new teachers, teachers in transition or in a distressed situation, and then teacher leaders. So if you had to pick one bucket of teachers to speak to, what advice would you give them? You no, know, I think I think it's really for the first-time teacher, you know, first time in a school building, um, you know, maybe dealing with a, a, a cohort of students that you're you haven't had a ton of experience having to teach, um, dealing in, in a district or an administration or a particular school building that maybe has a lot of different personalities, a lot of different priorities. Uh, you can get whiplash fast. You know, what what is my goal? What what am I supposed to be thinking about? Um, what you know, what matters most, and what should I focus on? What should my prep really be focused on? And I think. The first thing you want to try to figure out is how to narrow, narrow the focus. And if you can, you know, do sort of a Grant Wiggins type approach, understanding by design, and begin with 
your end in mind. You know, what is my end goal for the semester or the school year? In our, in our case, um, with the districts and schools we work with, uh, you know, we are using as that metric, and, um, of course, like a, a college readiness, college entrance exam, an accountability exam like the ACT or SAT. So you kind of begin with that end in mind, and then you can make sure that you are building unit plans and developing skills maps and pacing plans that are growing skills towards some, some sort of end, something that you know is going to help students gain access, something you can build purpose around. Hey, guys, we're, you know, the, we're, we're preparing for this assessment in the spring, and we're going to do little mini units along the way, and that's why I'm teaching you this, and that's why I'm grading your papers to check for these grammar skills because they're going to be very important to you in college and on the exam. And so try to be able to have some cohesive design, some plan, and, and then everything reverse engineers from that. And then you feel like there's a purpose. You've got little mini assessments along the way to give transparency. And you can create a very logical, linear approach. Um, and, and you can constantly grow towards and measure towards some goal. And, you know, because there'll be a lot of different initiatives that will come through your school. You'll hear, you'll come in and attend a PD, and someone will be talking about how, you know, you need to do, uh, you know, mind-body relaxation exercises in the beginning of every class, and then everyone will do that for three weeks and then forget about it. And, you know, things will come in, little whims and, and trends, and maybe a, a fire drill here or there because the principal heard that something's really important. But can you keep focused on, can you keep focused on, on what your goal is for your students that will give them access, that will help them grow, that will help them succeed. And then everything um, kind of organizes around that, and that can give you clarity. Yeah, you are a wealth of information. That, that was fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom there. And I heard you talking about trends. So how do you make sure you yourself are just keeping up on what's happening in the field? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. So. We read a lot. We have an education department at Academic Approach um, that is constantly researching, going to conferences, um, you know, consulting with the best literature, reading the, um, you know, the, the releases from, uh, you know, uh, the research that we find most salient. I myself have looked to, uh, I mentioned Grant Wiggins earlier, the former Grant Wiggins, who is a, uh, I got a chance to meet a couple of times and bring into my organization. and. Cool. Yeah, and and, um, and talk about teaching with my teachers. Uh, so looking for mentors, looking at the best literature. Um, really, also, you know, I learn a lot from some from seeing things practically applied. So going to some of the most high achieving schools and school buildings and seeing how they they're op they operate and organize, seeing how um, classrooms are conducted there. Um, going to watch, going to observe. Uh, learn, a, learn an awful lot from that practically, in addition to all the kind of um, research and, you know, theory. It's been a great conversation. I really appreciate the time with you. And, um, you know, one, um, one topic that I think is um, really interesting to me as a teacher that can also, I think, enrich the way that we think about instruction um, is t uh, a concept of teaching for transfer. And this is something that you know, Grant Wiggins, I mentioned earlier, uh, did some coaching for us as a company and, and wrote about um, teaching for transfer is the idea that if you, when teaching skills to a student, if they, if a student can't at the end of the lesson transfer that, that teaching to new and different looking situations, then you haven't really taught them that well. Right. Um, 
because they can't really apply it in, in life. And, um, and one thing to just kind of always put a, a, a check on as a teacher when you're um, teaching skills and you're, um, you're assessing students is, you know, I have seen, here's kind of a negative definition of it, um, a teacher is uh, delivering a math lesson on right triangles. So they show the right triangle a certain way, they talk about it just in that way, and then they give a quiz to see if students had mastered it, right. and they should the triangle the same way. And, you know, when you're teaching for transfer, you'll flip that triangle upside down, you'll put it, you'll put it in a word problem, you'll hide it, you'll, you'll be reading something about boats going north and east, and sure enough, it's a triangle problem, but you'd never think it's a triangle problem. Right. And um, so that's essential, uh, and I know this from the standpoint of performance on standardized tests. Standardized tests do not present uh, material the way you always saw it in class. It's permuted in important ways and disguised and, and represented, but that's kind of how problem solving is in life. Right. You come into a situation like, hey, I've never really been here before. This feels a little uncomfortable. Oh, but you know what? This reminds me of a time that I figured something and, and I can do this and I'm confident. And so when you teach students for transfer, you're not only preparing them to apply the skills flexibly, which is key, but you're also building on that kind of mindset level confidence that if I'm presented with something novel or unfamiliar, I, I, can, de I can do this. I can succeed. And, and that's really important. You know, there's so much research around um, failure rates with college persistence that students get there, but then they don't stay there. Right. Drop out for any number of reasons, and, and if you look into it, some of those some of those reasons are you know precisely what we're talking about. They get into new environments, they're unfamiliar, they get insecure, they don't know how to deal with a new challenge, and they quit. And so, yeah, so so teaching for transfer, you know, on, on one level can teach students to to really be successful and flexible problem solvers, but also teach them not to quit, which is just a huge lesson. That may be my, my favorite thing you've said so far. I, I, I love that because that's a life lesson. That's not just applicable in, in a school arena. And, you know, we're all here to learn and grow, but if you're not able to take what you're learning and do anything with it, what is the point? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, I did want to ask you one question, and then I'll let you go and be respectful of your Saturday afternoon here. But how do you reignite your passion and even your potential as an educator? That's, a, that's such a great question, you know, and kind of touched on this earlier um, in a point that you had made about, you know, taking a, a student-centered view of, of, um, of teaching. And so if you do take a student-centered view of teaching, then um, you never are done because there's always a new student and every student is different. So if you truly do understand that students learn differently, that all instruction must be differentiated, that personalities vary, and therefore you as an instructor need to present your materials differently either for learning needs or to build purpose in a different way or to reach a different type of audience or to raise the bar ever further every year, then you're never done. You know, it's not, it's not something that you can just press repeat on because students are changing, needs are changing, the bar can always go higher. So if you take a student-centered view, and, you know, an academic approach, we get to work, and I still, for 20 years, still have a caseload of students I work with one-on-one. -on -one. I'm constantly being challenged to present material in new ways and to look at every student not as um, an average, but as an individual. You're constantly re-energized because you constantly are being challenged to ask new questions, um, meet the needs of new individuals. As soon as you start having an average mindset, 
Well, then, you know, you might think um, that you can just settle into an average set of assumptions and an average curriculum and your average lesson plan. Um, but when you look at individuals and you're trying to enrich that understanding the individual through deeper and richer data analysis every year, then you're constantly re-energized. So it really is a, a perspective thing on who am I teaching, how am I teaching, am I teaching individuals or am I teaching lump sums of averages? And um, I always look at look at my mission as I'm teaching individuals. That was quotable. You tweetable. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> well, on behalf of elite educators everywhere, thank you so much for your time. Why don't you share with us how we can connect with you if we want to learn more? Thank you, Gresham, so much. It's been a lovely conversation, um, and I appreciate your time. Uh, our website is www.academicapproach.com, and um, we can be reached quite easily through our website, contacted that way, and we love uh, collaborating with teachers and school leaders and, um, uh, you know, throughout the country and, you know, asking and answering some of the questions that we've been talking about today. So we, we love to be thought partners and collaborators with teachers. Thanks, Matthew, for empowering us today. Hope you have a good one. You too, Gretchen. Thank you. Bye-bye. Wasn't that a really empowering message from Matthew? It really reminds me how important preparation for life is with students. Now, we know these tests exist. I hate the whole testing scenario and the pressure that's involved with it. But I love that Matthew is saying, Listen, this is a reality. Students have got to get into college. We want them to get into college. The way to get in is to do well on this test. But it doesn't mean we have to forget everything that we need to teach kids and just teach this one test. It actually applies a lot of skills that students need. So why don't we integrate this into the curriculum we already have? Basically what he's saying is this is a, a spin. It's a new perspective. You can do what you've always done, but here's a new way to do it so that they can be prepared and you can still hit what's required of you by the state or your district. And I think that's what more teachers need to be able to do, and I think we need to provide the professional development to learn how to mesh these two together. So it's not, let's stop all curriculum and let's go into testing mode, and for the next three weeks, everything we're doing is test booklets, you know, forget everything you've been learning before that. And that really sends the wrong message to kids. We really want them to know that these skills that are on the test are part of your everyday academics, but it's also part of life. These are critical thinking skills that you're going to need on the job, like we said, college or career. Um, so I love that Matthew was able to really take his passion in the classroom and transfer it into this amazing business for educators that really is for all students, um, even at the early elementary age, being able to think long-term about this future of college and getting into college and making sure that the teachers along the way are really helping mesh that academic language that would be on the test or the formatting on the test in the everyday instruction so that there isn't this big shock when you finally get there. I really enjoyed listening to Matthew, and I always love to support educators. So make sure you go to the show notes page on alwaysalesson.com. You can get details on how to connect with Matthew. All right, Elite Educators, that is a wrap for this week's special edition interview podcast with Matthew Pietrafetta. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered. This podcast is a member of the Education Podcast Network, a podcast network that encourages you to think about your profession and succeed in the world of education. Whether you're a first-year educator or a seasoned veteran, there is a podcast for you. 
All of the shows are produced by educators who want to shape education through meaningful discussion and content. So head on over to edupodcastnetwork.com for more details. 